Good morning, church family. I'm uh, welcome back. I'm thankful for the opportunity to worship with you today. And um, I am excited about a new uh, sermon series uh, on the power of mission. And just talking about that, you know, earlier this year we've talked about evangelism, we've talked about discipleship, and now we want to talk about the power of mission. And um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18, 19, and 20, if you want to open your scripture up there. Um, Today I just want to give you a, you know, when I was a kid... um, Whenever we wanted to see over the fence or see over something, we had to give each other a boost up. And being the youngest, I was usually the one uh, either boosting or helping out. And so uh, I'm pretty good at laying the the, the footing there. But uh, I just wanted to give you a boost up as well as add some confidence uh, as we go forth in the mission. And also just to be an encouragement to you today. I know that we get bombarded by the news and other things, and sometimes it seems like we're uh, just in a negative mode. But um, just to be positive and to bring some confidence into uh, what we're doing in the kingdom uh, as believers in Jesus Christ and uh, going out and making disciples. You know, um, late in the night, a ship sailed into a harbor in a Roman colony. may have been in Greece or North Africa or Asia Minor. Without... Waiting for the dawn, a, a boat was lowered and a, an officer was, was put in that with his entourage uh, for the Roman army and, and his attendants went with him. And regally they wa- marched into this sleeping city and they knocked on uh, a door and while the, the, the official of the colony, the chief official, was, was angered by the knock, uh, when he found out who it was, uh, he rose and he stood there in his uh, bedclothes, at attention, as the, uh, the officer read his message. Even the governor of a Roman province must obey this officer's command. Because you see, this officer is an emissary of Caesar himself. And carries with him the authority of Caesar. And he's backed up by the entire Roman army And all of the power that goes with it. You see when Jesus. Gathered his disciples. Before his ascension into heaven. He gave them. An incredible task of making disciples. Of all the nations. He rested on us. The authority given him. As the son of God. We are his ambassadors. His final commission to us began with this in Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to be together uh, digitally. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would just open our hearts and minds and help us to grasp the things that you are teaching us out of your word. I pray, Father, that you would transform our lives 
I pray, Father, that you would help us to be and to do the things that you called us to do. I pray, Father, that you would help us to accomplish your mission. Father, we love you. We praise you. Guide us as we continue to seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it's very important in that context for us to to pay close attention to what Jesus has asked us to do in the Great Commission because of all the things that we're going to be doing this week that relates to the Great Commission. You know, it's, it's, uh, when we see that, if we do not understand the Great Commission, it's very likely that we will go about the Great Commission in the wrong way. And if we think that ultimately the Great Commission is something that we can do on our own, we'll go about it in the wrong way as well. But if we understand that Jesus has called us to the most audacious project ever given to humanity, a project so great that only He can accomplish it, and that He does expect us to participate in that project, it will reframe the way we look at mission. That's important for us this week. You know, in in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of, of God's Word, the message, it quotes this as saying like this. This is what it sounds like. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you. I will be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. I think that's a great way of putting what Jesus said. See, God doesn't give direction for our lives for our consideration. He's not saying, consider this. God gives direction assuming our participation, our action, and our obedience. I mean, listen. We do not go in our own weakness, but we go in His power and His authority. So what is our marching orders? I mean, we're to cross cultural barriers to the unchurched, to present the gospel and to make disciples and to express the genuine love of Jesus Christ. I mean, notice Jesus' authority in verse 18. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I mean, Jesus is alluding to this glorious figure, the Son of Man, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, where he receives from the Ancient of Days the kingdom and the power. Jesus is saying, that's me it's talking about. I'm the one that Daniel saw God the Father give all authority to in heaven and on earth. It's all been given to me. I can imagine him saying... I'm in charge here. I'm in charge. All authority in heaven and on earth. Do you realize how freeing that is? I mean, that means that no power on earth can tell you that you can't go to the nations and preach the gospel. 
No power on earth can tell you you can't come here and talk about Jesus because Jesus is the one in charge here. He has said to his people, I grant you my authority to go anywhere and everywhere and tell people about me. Because I'm the only one under heaven by whom a person can be saved. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Therefore, you have the authority to do the things, to go anywhere, to tell everyone everywhere about me. I don't care whether their rulers tell you you can't come there or not. I'm in charge here. And I'm telling you, you can go there. (laughs) Isn't that just amazingly glorious? He says to his disciples, I know I'm asking you to do something that's humanly impossible. Don't worry about it. I'm in charge here. Oh, that's tremendously freeing. You know, Matthew has emphasized this theme throughout his whole gospel. Jesus has repeatedly demonstrated his authority over all things. Over the human body. Over disease. Over sickness. Over healings. He showed his authority over demons and over Satan. He showed his authority throughout the Gospel of Matthew over the natural elements of of wind and, and water. He showed his authority over the Sabbath. He showed his authority over his teachings. In his forgiveness of sin, he showed his authority. And now he shows his authority even over death itself. Jesus says, I'm in charge here. See, we have been granted authority over society. You can be sure that the society of this world will oppose us when we carry the gospel forward. James wrote in James 4.4, he said that friendship of the world is enmity with God. It's hostility, it's hatred, it's animosity with God. Listen, the preaching of Paul was so offensive in Ephesus that many people turned from worshiping idols to the one true living God. But there were those who were not pleased at all with the success of the gospel. A certain silversmith named Demetrius, he gathered the craftsmen together who made and sold the images of the goddess Diana in Acts chapter 19. Men, he said... There are some preachers in town that are convincing the people that there are no gods that are made with hands. Now, if they succeed, we're going to lose money. And our gods will be looked down on. Our city will lose the respect it enjoys because the temple of Diana is here. So in anger, the craftsmen, they they caused an uproar. And the whole city was gathered into the theater, shouting with one voice, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Folks, understand this. As As long as we do not disturb the world's comfort, it will be content to scorn us from a distance. But when we begin to move against the world's purposes... When we begin to hurt the world's money, or worst of all, cost the world money, we can expect a fight. See, it's often a shock to believers when they discover for the first time that the world won't accept them. 
But the Bible warns us about that opposition. That even persecution will come. I mean, John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 13. 1 John 3, 13. He said, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Jesus said in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that the world hated me before it hated you. And then I love this verse in John 16, 33. Jesus went on to say, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Sounds like he's saying, I'm in charge here. See, we've been given authority over society with its opposition to the truth. This world will fight us as long as Satan is on the loose. But as John reminded the first century believers in 1 John 4, 4, he said, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. See, we've been given authority over society. We've also been given authority over sin. I mean, the scars on the wrists and in the side of Jesus are not the only marks of sin in our world. I read recently this from a pastor. He said, not long ago, I talked to an older man whose life had been ravaged by sin. He told me how he had lost his health. He had lost his family. He had lost his wealth. He had lost his respectability because he had been a slave to alcohol, to booze. And as he talked to me, he, he pointed to the empty socket of an eye where he had lost years before in a barroom brawl and, and, and his eye had been taken away. That, he told me, is the mark of sin. See, our earth was cursed because of sin and all of us bear these kinds of marks. Famine, pestilence, even death. All the agonies of life have come upon our world because of sin. I'm not sure I even needed the Bible to tell me that. Because everywhere you look, you see the ravages of sin. When I look at the condition of our earth, our society, my heart wants to cry out, it's not fair. The innocent suffer. The wicked prosper. Deceitfulness reigns. And the truth is hidden. Hatred is strong and love is quenched in the hearts of the few who know it. Folks, these are the results of sin. You know, in the Old Testament, one of my favorite characters is David. It's thrilling to read about the exploits of the shepherd boy and the warrior king until sin corrupted his heart. From the day that David yielded to the lust for Bathsheba, he left the marks of sin in his nation, in his army, and even in his family. See, all of us face the consequences of sin. But praise God, when Jesus gave himself as the sacrifice on the cross, he broke the power of sin. 
Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.4 goes so far as to say that sin will not have dominion over us. <laughs> We've even been promised victory over death. The ultimate consequence of sin. See, we've been given authority over Satan himself. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We must arm ourselves against the devious plans of the devil. We're in the middle of a war on a spiritual plane, struggling against the rulers of this world's darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, there was a time when not many people believed in the prince of darkness. He was thought of as maybe something superstitious from the past. But more and more people are realizing that he is real as they notice him working in people's lives all around us. See, drugs seem to open people up to the power of Satan. I mean, a person with an addiction may not believe in God, but they almost certainly do and will believe in Satan. I'm reminded of a discussion that I had with a young man who had a serious addiction. He told me that when he was on drugs, Satan was in him and he controlled every thought and everything that he did. He acknowledges that after he opened his heart up to God, he found that the power of God was way more powerful than Satan. Reminds me of that song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Now, according to the Joshua Project, I was reading online, there are 17,423 different people groups in the world today. 17,423 different people groups. And they represent 7.67 billion individuals. Almost 8 billion people. 7 and 2 thirds billion people. 7,410 of those people groups are still unreached. That represents 3.2 billion people. That's 41%. 41% of the world's population is unreached people. See, Jesus is still unknown, unacknowledged, and unadored. When I talk about unreached people, I'm not talking about your neighbor next door who is unbelieving. They have you. They have access to the gospel. Unreached is someone who has no access to the gospel. They couldn't hear it even if they wanted to. There is no one telling them about Jesus. Dearest Memorial, you're right here in my heart. I want to speak to you what God has given me this week. See, God has a world-sized role for Memorial Baptist Church to be a global church. Raise your eyes, raise your heart, because our mighty God has already begun the process. See, in these times of uncertainty, it gives us pause. 
And so we're looking backwards. We're honoring our journey of in missions so far. Celebrating what God has done as we look in the rearview mirror. We've seen God do some amazing things in and through this church body over our over 100 years of existence here in Temple. We've impacted the world from right here in Temple, Texas. We're looking ahead as we continue our journey. We anticipate that the best is yet to come. We're going to see a great movement of God. We're looking around as we are retooling, as we are refocusing, as we are strengthening our vision. And we're looking around at each other, recognizing that each of us has a unique calling and gifting and role to play in this. We're looking up and attempting great things for God. And we're expecting great things from God. Listen, I know that in these days of sheltering in and hunkering down, we're tempted to do the same thing with our faith. To kind of put it on hold, to kind of wait and see what's going to happen. With all of my being, with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, I believe that now is not the time to hunker down in the kingdom. Now is the time for every believer to rise up and reclaim this great nation. Memorial now is the time to find that pedal, like in your car or in your truck, down on the right, the accelerator, and mash it. Put the pedal to the metal and take great strides right now for the kingdom of God. Pray in ways like you've never prayed before. Give with more generosity than you thought possible. Serve like you may never be able to serve again. Go places with God that you've never been before. See, under the cover of darkness, behind enemy lines, let us reach deep and grasp the faith to trust God as we move His kingdom forward. See, our mission here at Memorial, it's not difficult to express. It's actually pretty simple. It begins with love God. We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love Him. And folks, this is our worship. When we adore Him, when we worship Him, we are loving God. And so that is our worship. We worship God with all of our being. We participate. We're all in. We, are, we love Him. We love Him with our time. We love Him with our talent. We love Him with our treasure. Love God leads us to love others. And we begin to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Folks, this is our discipleship. It's our fellowship. We are being transformed and, and created again a new, uh, a new creation. We are being transformed even while we are seeing others being transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. So we love God. And as our love for God and His Son Jesus grows, we begin to love others as we love ourselves and through that, we want to disciple others so that they too will love God. 
Through our worship and our discipleship, it should lead and compel us to move out into our community around us and to serve the world. Folks, this is our outreach. By serving others, by ministering to our neighbors and the community and the world around us, others will see our good deeds and they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. And they will ask us, why do we do what we do? And we will have the opportunity to tell them what Jesus Christ has done for us. Leading them to love God. And the cycle repeats itself over and over. Love God. Love others. Serve the world. Worship leads to discipleship. Which leads to outreach. Which leads to worship. See, it's so important for us, friends, to realize the audacity of our work. We're to go to every nation. We're to see men and women and boys and girls from all tribes and tongues and peoples come to Jesus Christ and and become His disciples. That's something completely beyond our competence to do. But Jesus says, the authority is mine and my presence is yours, so go. The authority is mine And my presence is yours, so go. Go do what I've asked you to do. See, our mission is calling us to make disciples of the nations. It's one thing to get someone to sign a card or to pray a prayer or to even to join the church. It's another thing to make a disciple of Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. God doesn't call us to sign a card or to pray a prayer or to join a church. He calls us to make disciples. Since we're wanting to make disciples, we have to be totally dependent upon him. And that's why Jesus says, I'm in charge here. I'm with you. You must depend on me to do what I'm calling you to do. And that's what I call the power of mission. It's Jesus's power in us. To do what he calls us to do. Listen, everything that I've talked about this morning begins when we ask Jesus to come into our heart to be our Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that. But this morning, God is calling you. The Holy Spirit of God is beckoning you to come to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. John 3.16 says, For God... So love the world, that's all of us, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. You know, a few short days ago, this past week, one of our recently graduated college students, who's been worshiping with us, who's joined in with us, who's been discipled in our college ministry, prayed with another college student and was able to introduce him to Jesus. That's worship. That's discipleship. That's outreach. We see it happening right before our eyes. Brothers and sisters, it works. We love God. We love others. We serve the world so that they too will love God, love others, and serve the world.
That's how it multiplies. You know, maybe you're feeling the same way. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and to let him be in charge and to call the shots. You need grace. You need forgiveness. And in these days, you need hope. I guarantee you that you will find these in our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Savior is waiting. The Savior is knocking at your heart's door. And He's calling you to come to repentance and to come to salvation. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would have your way in the hearts of men and women and sons and daughters. I pray that you would draw them all to you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we readily admit that you are the one in charge and it's your work that we are seeking to do. Father, you said that you will be with us through the end of the age. You have the authority and your presence is with us. So send us out. Father, we love you. We praise you for all that you're going to do. I pray for the souls of men and women that you would be glorified in drawing them to yourself. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.